Hello and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. All right. Hello and welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Daughter, The Father, and The Holy Podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah? The Daughter, The Father. I've been usurped. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the Father, The Daughter, and The Holy Podcast. See. Um, and we are going to be discussing the topic of midot, or I guess the tra- loose translation would be attributes or character. Character traits. Character traits. So we're going to be talking about that being that in this week's Parsha, um, there is a display of anger. And we're going to talk about that. Don't fuzzle it. <laughs> Fine. Let's just do it. It's like, don't make it sound like we actually prepared for this or anything. <laughs> we keep it real authentic just for you guys. We don't even prepare. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, let's lunge into this idea of that we talk about it in religious circles a lot about tikkun hamidot right tikkun hamidot midot midot right she should have good midos right she should have good midos, midos right working on midos so what, what do we mean when we say working on midos it means like well but it's not good to be lustful it's not good to be um totally into your own ego Greedy, you know, greedy, selfish, glutton, miserly, um, non-patient, quick to anger. Uh, what else? Well, are we going to talk about the 13 attributes? 13? Of mercy? Um, you said not quick to anger, and I was like, ooh, are we going to talk about that? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm talking about human attributes, right? Things that... Oh, okay. um, whoop. I thought the 13 Midos were, you know, we try to emulate those, so I thought you would bring it in, but all right. Well, I mean, merciful. I mean, a lot of it is, uh, there is a cross section there, right? Merciful, uh, gracious. Patient, not patient. quick to anger. Mm-hmm. Um, truthful, you could say, right? But... What I want to point out over here is that the Maimonides, Rambam, he spends a long time. He spends um, one, two, just looking at it here, <clears throat> three, four, about four, a little bit less than four chapters on um, this idea. <clears throat> um, what he calls deot. Deot are like character traits. Um how that makes, differentiates between people. There's people that, you know, are very quick to anger. There's people that are much more chilled. Sometimes they're too chilled, right? They're too passive. Some people are very haughty. Some people are very generous, etc., etc. Oh, I learned this with Tzvi. Great. A little bit, yeah. Right? Some people are very self-accusatory. Some people ready to pardon themselves but be strict on everybody else there's all kinds of character traits which ultimately is what we're made of right people are kind of 
uh, born that way. A person is born probably with a more of a tendency to be generous than others and uh, vice versa and all kinds of everything in between. So the question is, when we talk about these, um, our, our character traits that we have, how, how serious do we have to work on them? I mean, a person could say, look, you know, this is who I am. Uh, I don't. I don't see necessarily the the bad the the downsides to it. I, you know, I can get angry every once in a while, but it's no big deal. Uh, person can say, "Look, I haven't really suffered much in my life because of that. Maybe I have a quick temper, but you know, I haven't like done any violence to people that I know of that he thinks he hasn't. You know, so like, what's what where where do we get into that conversation with such a person like where what are we trying to do to 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 marshal for him to say that look you have to you have to look at yourself closely and you have to monitor yourself and you have to like keep track of how you react and how you act in your life and 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 work on those things that you think are are not healthy right now again, um, I think you know the, the, in in popular culture. I don't think this would be like loft, you know, hoisted up on a pedestal as if it's like some kind of a religious obligation. <clears throat> you know, it, it it would be just like living a good life. So if you want to live a good life, you have to ask yourself: Well, are you happy? And if you and the answer is yes, so then you got nothing to worry about, right? If you're not happy then you'll say, why? And you'll say, well, because I, I stink at relationships. So then you'll ask, well, why you stink at relationships? Well, because I'm very impatient with people. I don't, I, I just don't give people the time. You're right, let's say a person could be honest enough. So then you'll say, oh, okay, well, maybe we should work on that so that you should be happy, mm-hmm. right? So it's all about, um, you know, self-fulfillment uh, f- or actualization so that people ultimately are in a good place, right? Okay. The Torah's point of view doesn't start that way. The Torah's point of view is that regardless of how you answer that question of if you're happy or not in your life, you need to say to yourself, I need to work on myself and try to become a better person because I could always become a better person. Right? You weren't born, born perfect. And all of your character traits are the things that uh, we look at when we say, well, how am I going to become a better person? Right? Besides the activities that you do, the activities that you do or you don't do are the things that um, flow from how you react to things. Right? So if you see, for example, a person who's poor, who I just saw a cute video yesterday, but having to do with, um, I'm showing to the kids in school, having to do with the choice of words, how the choice of words makes a big mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. So there's this guy sitting on the floor, and he ha- he has a, he's a blind person, and he's sitting there in the middle of a public square, clearly begging for, for, for money. He has a hat in front of him, and the sign says, I'm blind, please help. Okay, so every once in a while a person comes by, tosses him a, a, little, a little coin. Um, a woman comes by, looks at the sign, takes the sign, writes something else on the sign, and before you know it, you know, people are like, you know, giving oodles and oodles of, of money much more than he was having before, right? Okay. So what did she write? She wrote, it's such a beautiful day. 
Unfortunately, I can't see it. Please Oof. help. Right. So you see the difference, how, what that does to you? Like, you can ask yourself, well, what that, well, why does it make such a difference? But, but I'm, getting into, I'm getting to the point of like, when people see a blind person, what type of a merciful reaction are they going to have to that person? Let's say a person just walks by. He doesn't even feel it at all. So you could say, is the person merciful at all? Or are they just so um, conditioned to seeing that? You know, maybe they live in India, you know, where every second person could use some coins, could use some help. Or are they just jaded? Because, uh, you know, ask yourself. I mean, we lived in a South American country where people would co- approach the doors, the, the windows of the car and ask for money. And, and, you know, very often when you ask yourself, like, why am I, what is my reaction? What, how, what's my inner self saying to myself when this person walks over to the car? Unfortunately, sometimes what happens is, is that you, you say, like, you, you, you don't want it to take in the situation of the other. Because you then make yourself vulnerable to like all kinds of reactions and like maybe becoming too merciful and maybe just like turning your car inside out and, and giving it more money than you want. So you kind of steal yourself and you say, well, there's all kinds of fakers out there. So who knows if this person is really telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just, I heard that there are plenty of, you know, imposters out there that just like hoist their kids around, but they kind of pay them off. And the, these guys are making more money than people that are sitting on the streets and making money than people that actually have honest jobs. So why should I support that? And all kinds of logical uh, ways out of the situation. Again, I'm not taking one point or the other. I'm not saying if there's, tr- there's any veracity to what people are saying or not. Mm-hmm. But I would have to say that probably if a person is down and out enough to get on the street to start collecting money, especially in a society that's not l- really that naive to it, it's probably because he needs the money. So whether or not you like him or you don't, you don't like his face, or you think maybe he, he's some kind of a good-for-nothing and really should just get a job, it's kind of regardless, it's just like doesn't matter. I mean, even if the guy had a job, what would he be doing? Sweeping streets, being a janitor somewhere? And if he came over to you and said, you know, I'm a janitor somewhere and I really could use some money, then, then would you give him money? You know what I'm saying? So a person needs to ask themselves, as a, this is an example, am I merciful enough? What is the right, how much is too much mercy? What happens if I'm too merciful? Then what? Then uh, what happens being too generous? Mm-hmm. What happens if I'm not generous enough? So is, is then the, the question that you're saying, that you're proposing we should all be asking ourselves when it comes to mitzvot, to midos, is... What is my, where am I on the spectrum of this mida when it comes to generosity, mercifulness, um, truthfulness, honesty, anger? Where am I on that spectrum and do I feel like it is a good place to be? Mm-hmm. And That's a tricky one though. Cause, it's very tricky. Because you very said if you, if you feel, let's say, someone who really is very quick to anger very, you know, has pretty sucky relationships because, you know, he doesn't really give people the chance to to explain or to apologize or maybe he's always getting upset, so he's always fighting with people. But let's say the person is in, you know, like, no, I'm totally fine with it. If they don't want to be my friend, then that's fine, whatever. I'll just get new friends, blah, blah, blah. And they don't recognize that anger is the cause 
for the damage. Like, is there a way people can kind of refer to, like, because then we're all measuring it on our own measuring sticks, but where's the, where's the objective? Yeah. So that's going to be a hard thing. That's going to be a hard thing, even according to the Rambam. But what, what I'm trying to say over here is that Maimonides is, is amazingly connecting this um, uh, self-improvement effort to a mitzvah. He, he's, he's hoisted it up into mitzvah status. And it's interesting to know where it comes from because it kind of gives you an idea of what it is that we're talking about. And, and the difference that I pointed out before, like I said, <clears throat> in, in, in modern society, or I think perhaps in any society, um, I can't speak for all societies, of course, but I, I, don't, I don't think there's any precept of like actually working on yourself, right? You know what I'm saying? When we talk about working on yourself to become a better person, mm-hmm. it's just, you should live a, a, you know, a, a productive, happy life. So if you're not being productive and happy, so then what? So then, okay, so you'll read some self-help books and they'll tell you to do this and do that. But that's when you spring to action. But the, like a priori, to jump into life and say, you know, I'm made up of a bunch of character traits and I want to become the best person that I can. We'll talk about how in a minute. But where does that come from in the Torah? So the Rama amazingly takes this idea from the mitzvah of... Um, of imitating God. Well, that's why I thought you were going to bring in the 13 attributes. Okay, but I'm saying it's not that we pattern at after the 13 attributes. It's not like that is the source for this. Uh-huh. It's that in other places in the Torah it says that we should mahu uh, afata, right? Just like God is this way. So we, we, we look at the world and we, with an understanding of course that God is the creator of the world and he's the one who runs it. So therefore... When we look at the world with eyes that are sufficiently open, mm-hmm. then we say, well, this is what we see in the world. Look how bountiful the world is. Look how, um, look how consistent it is, right? Look how the laws of nature are made in such a way that there's enough for everyone, really. There should be, right? Um, look how pleasant it is. Like, look at... Look, and then if you talk about, well, how, how does God run the world? And you talk about things like mercy and you talk about grace. Justice. Justice, right? Truth. Um, slow to anger. Um, abundance of, uh, of, of, of uh, kindness, right? Mm-hmm. So, though, the, but again, again, that's not the you know, comprehensive list. Humans are much more complex in that sense. And... But but, but the, the point is, is that if we're trying to compare ourselves to God, what does that mean, compare ourselves to God? It means we're trying to um, not compare. We're trying to emulate, emulate God, right? So we're trying to emulate God means it's we're pointing upwards. We're pointing our existence upwards and we're trying to become better. So the idea of becoming better is because we're trying to um, emulate God, mm-hmm. right? Mahu avata, the Chazal say, just like he is like this, so you should also be that way, right? Just like he is, uh, right? Just that he is just and merciful, etc., etc. So you should be that way too, right? And it seems to be something that before the formal Torah was given, that's something that really Avraham Avinu based his kind of religion on. Hmm, is that kind of like the concept of like the Torah being always present without us being having the physical Torah, like just. Um 
these these ways of understanding, or I guess the, the truth of life being available to the Avos. Yeah, that's the thing, because the Pasuk says, um, the Pasuk says that God trusted Abraham, he trusted Abraham because he was observing the Derech Hashem, the that's, way of God. That's nice. I, like, I, I never, you know, um, I guess put those together, but I, it's, I think it would, it's a nice way to think about how when um, the... Um, like the Midrash, or, or people say, you know, oh, you know, the Avos followed the Torah even before the Torah was given. I think, I think really the, the what we want to say is that Derech Hashem is present in the world, and the Torah is 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 our way of being able to know what is Derech Hashem. Right. I mean, we we read the prophecies to have better insight about um, God running the world because those are special characteristics of that we try to emulate having to do with our relationship with things. Mm-hmm. Then there's the creation of the world. The creation of the world itself is an act of kindness. It's an act of abundance. But, but that's also Derech Hashem. Giving. I'm saying I, yeah. I think it's a nice way to think about it. But I'm saying you don't necessarily need prophets to tell you that. You can just look at the world. I mean, what are you going to learn in a prophet about the creation of the world? They don't, they're not speaking mm-hmm. about the creation of the world Why does it have to be the creation of the world? It doesn't. But I'm just We're saying, if, it's, if you're talking about the creation of the world, that's one thing that you could probably observe on your own. The having to do with running the world is something you need prophets to say, you know, God is this, God is that. God gives more time, you know. Right, but I'm is, saying, but prophets came after the Avos, and, we're, and I think what we believe is that the Avos were so in tune with godliness that they were able to see God does this, God does that, run, God runs the world like this and like that. I'm not, I'm not like bringing out like a major point. I was just, I just thought that thinking about the fact that, you know, that concept of God looked into the Torah and created the world is really just this way of saying that there is intrinsic derech Hashem in everything. And once we got the physical Torah, it's just the way in which we can physically learn very specific and, and very relevant to us, how we can live Der Hashem every day. Right. So just to bring it down to earth, um, we just were talking about how do you do it. So the, 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 the conceptualization of a thing is very difficult because this idea comes from other philosophers also. Even Greek philosophers talked about the golden mean. Right. The golden mean meaning <clears throat> going, um, doing everything in... in in the, on the mean, in other words, in the balanced, balanced, right? Um, so, the question is, how do you know what that balance is, right? Mm-hmm. So, he says the Rambam's one thing that's easy to understand is that he says, well, the person has to say, well, should I be merciful? And the answer is yes, right? Because mercy is a positive trait. Right? Mm-hmm. So how does a person make himself more merciful? Well, you should do things that merciful people do. And that's this way you train yourself to become more merciful. Right? And if you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm too quick to anger. I, get, I'm, I have a temper. Right? Do I want to have a temper? Do I want to be a person who gets angry? No. Well, what am I going to do about it? Well, I'll do what people who are patient and who are slow to anger, what they do. Even if I'm not emotionally there, but that's what I'll do. It's like the fake it till you make it kind of concept. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a real thing because it's a, it's a noble idea. 
And sometimes you need to put yourself in a, an emotional state with what you do, with your actions. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you, and the more you do it, the more it becomes real. And then the more you actually are, let's say, slow to anger or the more merciful you become, the more generous you become. Right. Just an interesting point. I, I, I think it's important to mention that um, all traits, I don't know, not all, I'm saying I wouldn't say that, you know, selfishness is a neutral trait. I think selfishness is in the spectrum of giving, but I just, I guess, wanted to make it clear that all character traits have their use. Right, and it's the way that we use them. Saying just like when you know, do I want to be an, a person who gets angry a lot? Most people, I think, would say no. But I think that it is important to state that anger is very useful sometimes, and it's a good thing. Oh, okay. So that's a good place to jump in over here because the reason why we're thinking about this this in this parsha is because, um, according to Maimonides, actually, this is the reason why Moses, my Moshe Rabbeinu, does not get into the land of Israel because they have this. Um, famous uh, um, uh, encounter at the rock. <clears throat> People are complaining again. There's not enough water, etc. So Moshe is gonna is told by God that he should talk to the rock, and instead of talking to the rock, he hits the rock. Now the Rambam doesn't see the hitting and the talking as actually the big deal. It's really that the way Moshe dealt with the people. Like he already was a little bit fed up. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking you're, you're about so, all the complaining, and I'm like, right. yeah, I'd upset. be so upset at this point. Yeah. Like last parsha, like a bazillion people got swallowed up into the ground for complaining, and like dun dun dun, we're complaining well, again. It's not for complaining; it's what what they were saying. But there, it's more of the how they did it, and a little bit of the the con. But that's that's a different point. But the point is, is that here. Moshe says, Shimu Nahamorim, just those three words. Listen to me, you rebellious ones. Right? That wasn't necessary. He just labeled the whole people. He just like slammed them. He he gave them a label. He said, You're all Morim. You're all rebellious. Right? And he says, what am I gonna bring water thing? You know, I think I'm gonna bring water out just because you want it. And he hits the rock and the water comes out of this, you know, source, this water source, this spring. So Rambam, interestingly enough, says that um, a person like Moshe, a person like Moshe Rabbeinu, has to be completely balanced, right? And um, the lack of balance, for especially for someone like a prophet, is like very detrimental. And as a leader, also, it's a leader can a leader must just completely get be a punching bag. You get it all the time, but you cannot. Um, you cannot speak disparagingly about the people. Because what makes you a leader? A leader is just full of patience and understanding that he's, he's, from, he's, he's there to lead. And as a leader, you can't get into the frustrations of the people and become just another frustrated person. You have to lead. You have to be above the fray. And you have to be above the pettiness. And you have to be above what it does to you and what you feel. It's not about that. It's about looking into the into the future and doing what's best for everyone. And if you're going to like call everybody out for stuff, then what what have you accomplished? 
You don't think there's a point where, as a leader, it's important to kind of hold up the mirror and be like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are... Okay, so the Rambam is, because that's what I wanted to get to, this is the segue that you said, like, what, 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 was, the, what, was, the, what was the anger um, <clears throat> that, uh, that would have been appropriate at that, at that time? So, so um, you have to also know how anger is treated. You know, the Rambam over here talks about anger in particular because he says anger is one of those, is one of those uh, character traits that it's not something you can say like, oh, I'm going to like do, take the gold in me. Like sometimes I'm angry and sometimes I'm not angry. Like, you know, I can get angry, but I can So that, that's not a possibility because anger is something that um, in and of itself is bad. Even if you get angry once, um, even if it's something you're, you're angry about, something that really we would say deserves you to get angry, right? Because something really bad happens. Um, he says, therefore, if you want to use your anger to be instructive, because you're in a leadership position, and the person says to himself, "I need to show anger in order that this group of people will actually react and do what they're supposed to be doing." So he should show, he says, He's showing the face of anger and he's completely aware and conscious that he's doing it in order to put the fear of God in these people. But he himself on the inside is totally unaltered. He's not getting stirred up, you know, when you, what you feel when you're angry, where you're... Right? Like mm-hmm. on that, uh, the firing on the inside, what was it called? Me, something, with that, that cartoon. Inside Out. Inside Out, yeah, we're like firing, like, like everything oh. goes, goes to pieces on the inside. You, you, you know what happens when you get angry. You're, you're whole bo- you feel your whole body kind of uh, firing up. You know, it's like, it, it's like a fire, burns you, um, burns you up from the inside. So that's why Chazal said, um, the rabbi said, whoever gets angry and loses control, it's as if he's doing idolatry. Um, Which I believe means is that um, once you've lost control, then it's it's all about you. Mm -hmm. Right? As you've lost sight of the whole thing. You've You've lost the big picture. Right? You've let yourself become totally swayed by the situation in which in where you're incensed right it's, it's a very short-sighted thing just to i guess just to then bring it down a little bit so that we can say that it's like a bodhisattva when we, when you say it's all about you so much to the extent that god isn't part of the picture either right and exactly. therefore it's like a bodhisattva where you take god out of the picture and you just do whatever it is that you feel you want to do right there's a, there's a very indicative uh, verse in Mishlei. It says, Kas ksilim yanuach. Anger is always in the lap of fools. Right? In other words, if a person is always angry, what, is, what does anger really mean? I mean? Anger is based on the idea of that I think that things should be this way. A sense of injustice. And if it's not this way, it's a different way. I am angry because I, in my mind, have already determined that it needs to be this way. Right, which you of course right away see the egotistical thinking and the selfish thinking, which is like, 
just because you want something some way is absolutely not a determinant of the reality. Okay, but let's say we're talking also then about the, a sense of justice, where yes, in some cases it could be totally out of line, but what about um, when we talk about boundaries, things that you things that are okay and things that aren't. It has to do with your sense of what you believe to be right and wrong. I don't think it's right for someone to treat me like this, and therefore I set a boundary. Um, and oftentimes if someone, if someone crosses that boundary, then there's anger, and anger helps to enforce that boundary. And obviously we're talking about... Anger that, like you said, is constructive. There is the anger that someone could feel that will then allow the person to lash out and try to, you know, totally destroy the other person, and shame and and scream and to and, and to then, be right and right and like you should have and it's not right and then you destroy the relationship along with the fact that there was a crossing of boundaries there. But I think that if there's a if if in that situation there's a feeling of anger that is recognized of like oh you know angry because this person didn't act in a way that I believe to be just in regards to myself and the way I, I hold my boundaries. Therefore, I'm going to, you know, if you need a time to cool off, then that's cool. But I think that it's important. Anger there helps for the enforcing of the boundary, not in a, not in a forceful way, but of like, that wasn't just. That is not okay. I, I, won't, I won't hold that. And then you go and you say, hey, you know, what you did that back there was... Not but okay but again, I mean, I'm not sure if you're coming to disagree or agree, but... I, I'm disagreeing with the fact that I believe that anger act is is useful. The The Rambam seems to say that anger is one of those uh, attributes that is not at all... It's not acceptable. Uh, right, not at all acceptable. Right, it's not like... It's not like, so like I'm, I'm saying, let's talk about mercy. There's two sides to mercy, right? You, the other side of mercy would be too merciful. Now, if you're too merciful, that means that you have no self, right? In other words, you see somebody in the street, like we were talking about before, and you just pour out all of your money, and then you have no money to buy food. So your whole family also suffers, right? So you just don't see it because you're, you, you lose yourself in the moment so much that you have no boundaries, right? You, have, you don't know how to mediate mm -hmm. you know, between what you feel right now and the long term, right? You just lose yourself. So, 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 so let's say he says, let's say a person is going to be like, okay, I, I allow myself to be merciful and I allow myself to be generous. Um, and, I, and I give generously to what I think is like I'm able to, to do right now. But, but there's an inner dialogue of like, what's the right thing to do now, right? When it comes to certain character traits, we don't play this game of like, what's the, I'm aiming for the middle, right? Right, I'm aiming for the golden mean. We, we don't have that, right? We don't apply that. So you're saying anger is one of those and I'm having a hard time with that. Yeah, because if you're really angry, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable, it's not good for you, it doesn't do anything for you. Some people today would like to say, you know, just get angry because... You know, then you kind of feel yourself. Like you won't feel yourself until you get angry, right? Because you're totally if you're not if you're totally out of touch with yourself. So that's something else. It's not it's not that the the remedy is going to be getting angry. Getting angry doesn't help. No, it just but makes it, you become conceited. But if you are angry, anyone who says, "Oh, just ignore it" or "Get over it," 
is also it's not the right way to approach it. Well, I'm not saying how you should deal with it. I'm just talking about the Ramam is not a psychologist. He's not t teaching you like what methods you should use to calm yourself down. He's just saying that letting yourself go and really getting that burning sensation feeling that you're just angry because things aren't going the way you want, right? And even like you said, even if it's righteous anger because somebody's doing something wrong, what does it do for you to get angry? What does it do for the situation? Which is, but can we then go back and, and touch then on Pinchas, who was described... Who said he got angry? Isn't it described as righteous anger? No. Kanoet kinasi, he... he, he Jealousness, it's it's it has to do with honor. Words, mm. He he guarded, he safeguarded God's honor because there was a, a very embarrassing situation there. He couldn't handle the fact that that there was a, such a desecration of God's name going on. Mm. Interesting, and then it really has nothing to do with him. A lot of times we confuse anger with motivation. Like you're on the court, and you know you've and you know. You, a tennis player is on the court and he's like angry so he like plays like a beast right uh, i think actually especially when you're dealing with um team sports it's very not good to get angry <laughs> you can get lucky right and things can, can work out because there's a very small scope of things that need to happen you need to get that ball in the thing you know and if you hit it really hard because you're angry maybe that's going to work it doesn't help you become a team player. It doesn't right, help it you. It isolates you. Yeah, and very often it can work the player. other way around. You'll do things that are not balanced, right? You won't make the right decision if you're angry, mm -hmm. generally speaking, because it's egotistical. It's it's like I don't feel good, so I need to do something. I need to smash something until I can like unleash my anger. Uh, the Gemara actually is talking about if a person breaks, like a person breaks something. So you took something good, you destroyed it because you think you're going to unleash your anger in such a way that's going to make you feel okay afterwards. Now you're going to be relaxed. You know, there's that idea that. Well, it's pretty cool. There's those like uh, rooms, those break rooms where you can like break plates and smash printers. Right. So I. It's pretty cool. I mean. <laughs> Call it exercise or call it something else or call it just physical activity that is good for a person. I think there's nothing as good as um, a good workout to, to just get a person back to balance. Right. If a person is drinking coffee, sitting in a room all day and smoking, you know, you, you can imagine the guy can just lash out. And I mean, there's a lot of different conditions and factors that go into people like losing it. And thinking that their anger is righteous and that they need to get angry in order to fix the wrongs that they see. What I'm trying to point over here is that the Torah is trying to say that there are certain characteristic traits that are just, you have to stay away from them. So also, besides anger, which ones? Like um, humility. Like a person says, like, I'm going to be a little humble and a little not humble. Right? A person should try to be as humble as he can. No. So let's let's talk about humility maybe for for a hot second because I always feel like when people say humility they think about like the person who kind of like crutches over and he's like oh Baruch right Baruch well we're not talking okay. about that yeah 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 and like they have no sense of self and they let themselves be the doormat for everybody and they're always like oh Baruch Shem, Baruch Shem. yeah very nice right um, well we're not we're not talking about self abnegation I had a, I I learned a really beautiful way of thinking about humility from my uh, my teacher Mrs Shaw when I was in seminary. 
um, we were learning Megillus Rus, and she has a, the way she defines humility stuck with me till now, and I think it's one of those keeper, keeper moments. Um, she described humility as the act of acknowledging the, the gifts that we're given, the fact, you know, the fact that we're alive, the fact that we're talented at things, the fact that we're smart, the, you know, whatever it is, everything that we have really is a gift from God. So acknowledging, acknowledging who we are, what we have, where we're at, and then taking responsibility to use it in a way that is um, almost res- like paying off your due to God in the way of like, God gave me this and therefore it is my responsibility to use it appropriately. Um, and that is humility, and that doesn't mean that someone who is a great singer shouldn't be singing because, you know, you don't want to make other people jealous. And Baruch Hashem, you have a nice voice, and you're going to sing in your room by yourself when it's quiet. But rather, if you have a good voice, and say, well, how, how can I use this gift to bring more, more Kedusha, more, more light into the world? So there's a lot of beautiful women's plays that are out there that are very inspiring, and in seminary we had uh, also like a women's singing that had to do a lot with the the um, different chagim that were coming up and it was really really touching to a lot of people so when I think of humility that's that's my go-to definition and I feel like it works really well for me at least so okay I I, I hear I mean I, I would agree with that it, I just in, in this context though just realize that it sounded like at one point you were saying like don't be that way, be this way, like the way I'm describing. But there still is room for a person to be what the Ramam calls a chassid. Right? That if a person uses and tries to be exact in the traits that he contain that he owns, that he are part of his life, and he tries to strike the middle most balanced way, right? So that is the Rambam's way of calling that's a chacham. So for example, when it comes to like haughtiness or arrogance versus humility, he says um, a person is going to run away from haughtiness and arrogance into the last, you know, to the the limit, and he's going to be very, very lowly, right? Very lowly. He's going to he's going to be a person who doesn't try to push himself into any position that might have a that might smack of some kind of. A, you know, put him in a position where he's going to have to be like a little bit arrogant. He's going to have, he's going to go to the complete opposite extreme. So in certain areas, like in the case of haughtiness versus humility, that's also acceptable. And that's called midat hachasidut. That's beyond the letter of the law, so to speak. Whereas over here, um, if a person would, in this case, go to the emtsa, into the middle, via anav, and he'll be just a humble person, nikra chacham. That's the level of being a chacham. That's that's wisdom. Vizuhi midat chokhmah, right? And the same thing with all the rest of the day. The Ram says there, there are ways that a person can can go beyond acceptably what's expected of people to to run a balanced life, and they could a person can say, look, I'm so uh, you know I saw I see what a temper has done to me in my life. So therefore, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some drastic things in order to keep me away from that. Or, or if a person says, you know, I've been too lustful in my life, so I'm gonna go and do things in my life that that are go beyond the balance, the balanced way of living. 
right? That's called Midat Chasidut. And that's what the Gemara says that there was a, you know, people become Nazirim, for example. People take vows, even though the idea of taking a vow is not such a great idea, according to the general understanding, mm-hmm. right? Because what are you making, like, live a good, holy uh, life with the, the mitzvot that already exists? What are you creating more things on yourself and more restrictions and maybe we would call them more chumras right what are you doing to yourself like why mm. and so and a person might feel that they need to do it because if they're doing an honest i'm talking about an honest you know introspection they might say look i need to do this because i have this issue like maybe like in the case of the nazir he said look i you know i've lived a life where i've fallen too many times in in matters of uh, of desire and lust and I want to get out of that. That's not good for me. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to argue with him about that. The question is what he does about it. So he says, well, at least for a couple of years, and so I can, maybe I can get myself back on track in the, in the balanced way of life. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at anything. I'm gonna, just going to walk around. Like, I'm going to move into that thing. Right Now, if it's sustainable, a person could live his life that way, fine. So some people will say, look, he's doing it for a holy reason. Right? So he's a chassid. That makes him a chassid. He's pious. He's a pious person. But um, if it, you know, then he has to put it on a balance. You know, can he live a, a life like that and still be a productive human being? Right? Does he, what, is, what is he giving up by acting that way? You know, what about the rest of the people around him? Is he able to relate to them? You know, if, it, if he, if he look, doesn't look at his what, you know, saying there's all mm-hmm. kinds of things that you can imagine might happen that would make his life very difficult mm-hmm. to continue that way so i'm saying you'll have this option of doing it for a, a period of time until he like the ramam says until you get back on the track of the middle golden mean or he'll live that way his entire life because the cost is worth it because he's still afraid that he's going to fall into the problem that his he can't control his certain character traits that he has so we shouldn't disparage people for acting certain ways because we think they're being extreme or we don't know ultimately what's on why they're acting that way what they're doing we just hope that a person is not doing it just to be like the joneses you know he's not, he's not doing it to imitate something or to fit in somewhere right that's not i don't think that's the best thing it should be some kind of a a real you know honest search to see how a person needs to act in order to prevent themselves from being prey um, by their uh, worse, let's just say they're not their best side of themselves. To what extent, though, does does it stop becoming about you trying to be your best self and and other people? Meaning, uh, just an example, um, in the more more Haredi world, a lot of men don't look at women. They'll like cross the street if a woman's coming they'll look at the floor they won't answer questions they're like not engaging at all um to me on a personal level i find that to be rude like i i understand i understand that the intention behind it could be good but i think that where is that limit where your where your piousness doesn't start becoming disrespectful to other people. Like if I'm lost and I need somewhere to go, and there's only men and no one's gonna answer me, so I'm just gonna be lost. 
Well, it's not his responsibility to... He, he, this person never set himself up as the uh, tour guide of uh, Measharim or wherever it is. Forget about so being tour guide. Hi, I'm lost. I, I need to get out of the street. Yeah, ask somebody Can else. I go sh let's, say, let's say there are no women around. Yeah, but you're, now you're painting him into a corner. So in, when you paint him into a corner, you'll see how he reacts. But you didn't. You know, that's not what happened. Person walking down the street, he, you know, he doesn't want to interact because of the reasons that he has. It's not for us to determine or to judge whether he has the right reasons or the wrong reasons. That's what he's doing. It's not like he's it's doing not something wrong. It's not about judging the reasons. It's it's to what extent do your reasons justify the attitude towards other people, like derech eretz. We're always saying derech eretz kad Torah. So that's like a huge point for me when I think of not just this, but a lot like. A lot of different things where people act in the name of, of piousness or they act in the, in the name of God. But then you see that, like, <laughs> that's a very disrespectful way to, to, to be a human, look, to act with well, other people. Could be, it could be he's feeling, this particular person is feeling like, like look, if you need help, you'll get help from somebody else. If, if you think you're, I'm being rude because I'm not answering you, all right. You should know that you're in a place where people who are religious act this way. So get over it. I'm saying, like, he's not doesn't necessarily, whether I agree with it or not, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying, you know, you have to have an open mind, you know, based on the ideas that we're talking about in order to understand this, I think. It's not, it's not good to judge people. I think there, when there are consequences that are obvious, like, you know, if a, if a great person like this, who's very, very pious, is invited to a dinner with the president and the president's wife is going to be there and he's and no one knows how he's going to act and all of a sudden you know he doesn't even look at her like you know the consequences of that might be far reaching that are going to go way beyond his own existence and he probably has a responsibility to look into what those things are going to be if, and or at least warn them or at least something there have been great rabbis who will not take the shake the hand of the president's wife you know they met in the White House with the president, and, and, and you know, they told them before mm -hmm. that they're not going to shake hands. But then, but that's that's res that that is respectful to me. You're 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 being you're being respectful in the sense that you're understanding that for other people it is a norm to shake hands. You are not because of your reasons, and you're going to let them know very respectfully, very nice. I'm an Orthodox person. I don't touch women. I will not be shaking your hand. Well, you Do you still assume, want to invite me? You could assume the person walking down the street has no business and has, doesn't feel that it's his responsibility to explain all those things to you. Who's a it, it's not about explaining. I, that I understand. But I, it's... I don't know. I, I, I always have this issue when I look at the... I get more... more in, extreme populations of, of the Jewish people. There's... There's this whole claim of Torah being the, the center and Torah and Torah learning, but then there are so there are so many unpleasant experiences where I would like to think shouldn't Derech Eretz here, you know, if you're saying and you're claiming that Torah and Torah is the main way, then wh where is the Derech Eretz? Where is the you shouldn't be if you're if you're representing the people who are learning Torah the whole day, you should not be acting like this. Burning bus stops and garbage cans and these crazy protests and those are done by people who are representing Torah. Who says they're representing Torah? You you think if you ask any of them, they wouldn't say that they're that they represent Torah, that Torah is If you ask Hitler, he aspect. said he's representing God. I mean, who cares? You know what I'm saying? You can judge what he's doing. If you do things like that, 
like, you know, become a menace to the public, so then you're not representing Torah. If you throw a chair at somebody because they're not uh, praying in the right, you're not, uh, you don't represent Torah. You're not a Haredi. You're just a guy who's dressed that way, who's uh, culturally has uh, been, uh, by hook or by crook, stuck in that situation. But not everything everybody does in these areas represents Torah. I mean, in any culture that you go, you're going to find people that get it and people that don't. You can't like just like look at the whole thing and say like, oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable there. I'm not going there because like you know these, there's these people are walking around screaming at people not to have internet, or or protesting in front of a guy's store because he's selling cell phones. You know what I'm saying? Like, do, do these people are these people representing anybody? Do they really really represent people that are great you know scholars and and pious to people? Me, to me, they don't. But I I it's it's just about the question again of. To what extent do I allow myself, and you're saying, to, to take upon myself certain extremes because I believe that it is ultimately the best thing for me? Where is, like, what's the juxtaposition between being a person who is trying to be at his best place in Midos while also taking into consideration the fact that you don't live alone? There are other people also. I just think that's an important aspect to have into the mishmash of considerations uh, not sure what you want with that i mean like i said uh if a person's going to walk into geula Sharim and it has a problem with the way people act there then maybe don't go there but i don't think it's fair to say i'm if, if you're the person that's not going because I think people there act in a way that's inappropriate. Who says? What are you judging that on? I'm saying there's a bias there. There's yeah. a certain thing that just gets you wrong. You know, like that there were the thing. There's other things that like al uh, nivel de piel. You know, there's like on the skin level. It's just I don't like this. It's not. It's not like really a. Uh, but again, value that, judgment. But that's that's about me. I'm talking on an individual level. When I want to take upon myself something, are you saying that there there isn't a responsibility to take into consideration the fact that we don't live alone? Let's say you have a problem with lashonara. Okay, let's say you're just blabbing too much and you really feel bad and it's ruining your life, and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm taking in order to get myself back on track. From the hours of uh, 12 to 9, I'm just not going to talk. I'm doing a tiny debor. This way, I can control, I can control myself. I'm not going to talk at all to anybody. Now, you can have interactions with people. People aren't going to know. You're not going to be able to explain it to them. But you're not going to say, maybe I'm not going to do this because, even though I think it's important for me, because maybe I'll meet somebody in the street and they'll feel bad. So... Maybe I shouldn't do it. I mean, you're not going to think that. You're just going to do it anyway because you need to fix yourself. And other people will understand. It's like I don't have a responsibility to not do it because maybe somebody will see me. That's not necessarily your responsibility. If that person sees me and for some reason I don't say anything to them, they'll have to figure it out. That's for them. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of not taking responsibility for other people's emotions, but... I don't know, I guess I was... 
I'm having a, I'm having a hard time with with that being extreme, knowingly being extreme. Whatever, I guess something to chew on. <laughs> it's it's a worldview thing. It's a, it's very much connected to the worldview. I mean, if you see, let's say a machitza, right, putting up a wall between men and women, right. So there's really very little written in the sources about when you need to do that and when not to, right? But it has everything to do with how you see the context. If you see the context as being, you know, frivolous and that which will cause a worse outcome, it's better to inconvenience people than to get to that worse outcome. Ultimately... People can get over, you know, sitting separately. It's not like you're stepping on them or ruining their whatever. You're you're doing something that's perhaps in certain circles not natural, but maybe it's better because of the way things are. If, if the context that you see in the world is very promiscuous and people are dressing in ways that are very provocative, and it's all about you know getting somebody's attention and then getting that one person to step over the line that might end up ruining himself or ruining somebody else, or ruining somebody else's, a third person's life, in one way or in the other, or it's just slippery slope. So, you know, it, it just depends how you see the world. If, the, if, a, if a person wants to go beyond the letter of the law, because they see the world a certain way, so, okay, that's the way they see the world. It's not, you can't start talking about what it is that you're doing. And you have to have a f- more fundamental conversation, like, why do you see the world this way? Like, I see the world as much more welcoming, less ominous place and you see it as much more ominous place and much more threat threatening place and therefore you need to protect yourself okay that's a bigger conversation if you want to have that conversation so go right ahead understand mm-hmm. we're already over right well we don't we never really have a time limit but yeah we're, we've been we've been schmoozing for a nice 53 minutes okay that's <laughs> but anyway so, the bottom line is is that the, judaism is amazing as an amazing thing that the uh, that the Rambam you know really put out there it was it was an original idea that it's actually a mitzvah to work on yourself work on your character traits as a way of imitating God that's a huge thing and um, the connection to the parsha we talked about Moshe and his anger but um, I think this this idea of um, of trying to perfect yourself is something that really can make for a diverse community. I mean, people, you know, you don't, we don't know, I don't know, you don't know what's going on inside the other person. Mm-hmm. And if a person is really on a quest to become that better person to imitate and emulate God, they'll find different ways to do it that look, sometimes look extreme. Right. Hmm. I'm just going to sit on that. Yeah. <laughs> Just realize, though, that something that anger, for example, if you're going to say, if you're going to, somebody's going to say, look, I have to get angry because I'm saving the world, then we already, that's already a red line. Because you know that that's not true. Because if he's really getting angry, he's just getting wrapped up in himself. Hmm. So as as an example, the truth is that will be anytime. Anytime a person is being extreme and he's just totally wrapped up in himself, he's not because, it's not because he is like really trying to perfect himself in any way or correct or make a situation any better. Okay, so then go to the other side of the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't hang with people like that. Right. Hmm. 
All right. So that's that's our two cents on Midos and working on yourself and being a good person and having good Midos. <laughs> have a lovely week, everybody. And I hope you guys will have something to think about now. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics we'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.